Welcome beautiful souls to season three of the Spiritual Psychologist podcast. We are diving in deep this season in thinking about our relationships with food and body and this is something that I support clients with regularly but also something that I've had a massive healing journey with myself. So I have brought in different coaches, different perspectives of how you can heal that relationship with food and body. I really hope you enjoy this season and find it of value and if you do please do take the time to share it with others who would also find it helpful and healing for them. And before we get going I would like to just tell you a little bit about an exciting announcement that I have for 2022 which is my Heal and Restore Retreat in Ubud in Indonesia which is going to be running from the 30th of July to the 5th of August. So if you'd like details, go and check out my website, www.thespiritualpsychologist.co.uk. Welcome everyone to the final episode of this season, Healing Our Relationships with Food and Body for the Spiritual Psychologist podcast. And I have Ryan Rose here today. I'm really excited about this episode. You're the first male that I have on this season. And it wasn't uh, Mm. intentional that I left the guys out. But it was just finding (laughs) people that felt aligned. You know, that's always a priority for me. Like, who feels aligned that I actually want to talk to and uh, that's going to make the podcast flow right? Um, And we've been trying to create this episode for a while. But uh, because of technology problems, it's been a bit up and down. So I appreciate you being here. Appreciate Uh your presence. I appreciate your amazing work. So Ryan is a functional health coach, a trauma-informed coach, and you bring in all that good stuff, the good like shadow work, trauma work, inner child work, um, in combination with health coaching and gut health work. And have I nailed it? Yeah, go for it. If I was an emoji right now, the emoji would be fingernails being painted. (laughs) <laughs> the emoji I beated it right now so yeah I appreciate you Rafika and I appreciate you inviting me on um yeah I'm gonna try and do good for the masculine energy then for this uh, only masculine yes so, definitely uh, no it's pressure so no pressure it's so important <laughs> for sure and yeah one of the reasons why like I think I felt so called to have you on this episode on this season was because I saw like, I've just seen sort of, um, you know, images of like where you were in the past life, you know, where you were training so much. There's nothing wrong with training. I love training. Um, But in the gym, like doing loads of weights, you were like much bigger guy. And Mm -hmm. just what you said um, about your journey of like, you know, where you were emotionally at that point in time. And, you know, you can be training in the gym and in a really good emotional place. And I'm sure there's lots of people that can be in that place. 
but I also know myself that you can be in the gym and you know really obsessed about food obsessed about training and it can actually feel so disconnecting from your body even though you're using your body right Mm -hmm. and it I just it'd just be so helpful to hear your story um of where you were and where you are now and this journey of like doing what you do now like you just when I look at like the images of of you in the past and it's you just seem like such a different person and I know you you were the same person before right but that you're you you cl- you clearly been on a massive uh, journey and I just think everyone would really value hearing that mm, no I appreciate that um I guess uh how can I start that I was trying to discover who I was um from a very young age trying to figure out who I was and where I sat, as, as, as sat in the world and how I could find where I was trying to discover my self-worth you know mm-hmm. um my parents um were busy working in London um so I was really taught to regulate my own emotions a lot of the time mm-hmm. and trying to find my passions through that because my parents were away doing stuff you know trying to keep the house alive and doing what they felt they needed to do at that time so um I think living in a very rough area um in London um to a point when I felt like I needed to be strong to be able to survive in the environment I was in mm. and London, after, London, just out curiosity uh, okay Tottenham. yeah mm, not not the not the lovely part of Tottenham but uh <laughs> yeah I was in Tottenham and you know I went to quite a rough school and like it was just uh you know it was rough to me maybe not to, mm. people, but it was very rough to me. I didn't know it was rough until I moved away from the area of course Mm-hmm. So um, after getting involved in lots of trouble, lots of crime, um, got mugged a few times, attacked a few times, and all sorts of different things that happened when I was younger as a kid, um, I had to build this armor around me, this shell. And the bigger that I got and the more muscular I got, the I was like a tortoise inside of a shell, you know? The, mm-hmm. the more muscle I had, the more muscle I had, the more protected I had from my emotions, my feelings, from everything else in the world. And, I could push people away from me, you know. So if I built this exterior of this big attitude, um, scary wall with scars and was, you know, I was 125 kilos, then I would never be hurt. Um, yes. And really that's sort of what I, where I was coming at from it. I didn't know I was doing that. It was a very subconscious, very unconscious level that I was doing that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it to, is, isn't it? And I started mm. to unpeel it, started to take off the take off the the wounds and peel back the layers. And I noticed that there was just um, a lot of emotion underneath those muscles and underneath those tissues, you know. Mm. I done a post the other day, uh, it was only a joke um, of me like training and it said, how do we hide our feelings? We hide them in our muscles. And <laughs> uh, it was so true and it was so true for me. Like I definitely hid my feelings in my muscles whenever mm. I had emotional stuff going on in my you know, in my life, stuff that I didn't know how to regulate normally, I would go and overtrain, overeat, overuse, abuse of drugs, um, mm. because that was how I was taught myself to regulate my emotions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a, a little bit of a snippet of... Uh, yes, yeah. Like, I think this is a really, like, great example of, you know how people, like, there's this perception, isn't there, that, 
you know, you only need to do the healing work if you've had like some major trauma in your life. And this is like your story is an example of, you know, the more subtle emotional wounds that we can, that we all face, right? That from just from being human and from our individual experiences and the like this combination there's like a combination of different traumas aren't there like tr the trauma of like being attacked like that is a trauma isn't it but also mm -hmm. those more subtle things of like okay was I shown how to regulate my emotions as a, as a child you know a lot of clients that I work with kind of say well you know my parents provided for me they they had to work and they had to pay the bills or um or they were from like a wealthy family you know so it's kind of this this uh perception then or belief that um my wounds my pain isn't real I should be able to just get on with it and and mm -hmm. be okay you know mm -hmm. um yeah and I think like you know in the the gym kind of world um when you're with it in that like you can get a bit stuck in um that dynamic with other people as well right where the muscle growth is celebrated but you know the the, the bit underneath is missing isn't it so it's all so external, isn't it? So people will say, wow, you look really lean or you've put some bulk on or whatever. And but mm -hmm. there's no conversation really on, around, you know, how are you feeling? Like, especially with men. Mm -hmm. it's, a big, it's a big thing I've noticed with other guys, we would, you know, uh, a lot of my female friends are more open to talking about their emotions more than the guys do, yes. for sure. Yeah. I think one thing that was really uh, like, uh, great that you touched on was um, these traumas that we have, these built-up traumas and lots of different ones. I like to call them like the trauma catalogue. That we yes. just have these, these traumas that we flick through as we go through. And it's not always necessary that we need to look for things to heal. Very this, as they arise, we can work with them. But yeah, I really like that analogy. Yes, yeah, I like the idea of the trauma catalogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what was your journey of, you know, like, at what point did you sort of realise, like, this isn't great, you know? I need to change something or I need to shift something or like a realization mm. that, um, you know, this just isn't working. I don't feel good. Mm, like the catalyst for me. Um, yes. in regards yeah. to like what sort of changed that, I think it was a really long, um, process. It took time to really get to that point. But, uh, at the time I was really, uh, big into drugs at the time I was involved in a lot of crime. Um, and just get stuff into a lot of trouble, really. And then my mother got really ill. Um, a load of things happened in my life all at once, but my mum getting ill was a big catalyst for me. And um, she got cancer, and I just checked out. I just checked mm -hmm. out massively. I was like, right, I just disassociated from my body, did not know how to deal with that type of emotion. 
and I just went and overtrained massively. That was probably the the photos that you might see on my Instagram are ones where I'm in the biggest pain. It was where I'm the biggest form. Mm. Um, so interesting. Yeah, and I was uh, struggling a lot in those times. And I guess when I started to come off the drugs and started to find another way of doing things, I was having you know severe mental health stuff going on, anxiety, all of this stuff bubbling underneath, like Pandora's box sort of coming out of my body mm-hmm. and out of my into my emotions. And I was starting to f- feel my emotions for the first time. I had to learn how to breathe. I had to learn how to eat. I had to learn how to feel. I had to learn how to process. I had to learn how to communicate all like a baby, pretty much. I had to yes. learn all these things because I really was sort of in a daze from really but pretty much when I was born right until in my 30s. Um, mm. This haze of anxiety, not really knowing I was in my head. I was never in my body. Yes. And one thing you touched on at the very beginning about this working out, even though we're not really connected with our body, it's like uh, we work out of our body a lot. So we go to work out, we go to train, we go to exercise, our heart rate goes up and we become out of the body. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I started to do then was start to come back into the body, which was lots of sitting still, lots of meditation, lots of yoga, lots of somatic movement and body therapies and really starting to feel my body in this vessel that I'm in. And, you know, over the years, I've started to be more and more connected to my body rather than so disconnected in my all the time. Don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect. I'm definitely up in my head a lot of the time as well, but the difference is I'm aware of it now. Yes, and I think this is also like another thing that um, I don't know how honest people are about presence, but for me, I you know, it's something I have to continually work on. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I find it very hard to be present, actually. I can be so in my head. I don't know if that's like also being a psychologist. I don't know. Like, maybe that's like, I went into that profession for a reason, but because I'm I'm good at that. Sorry. That's the thing we all do. I'm studying psychotherapy now, and I think it's really because I wanted to understand the mind more and understand why we do what we do. Yes. Yeah. 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 But um, it's something that, you know, the presence element of life, like I have to really do things to try, you know. I have to, like, the, the, the points when I'm most present are when I'm actually often out of the house like when I'm on a walk um, or those, you know, morning kind of rituals where I'm doing breath work, even then, even when I'm doing breath work, powerful breath work, even Mm. then I can find that I'm, you know, I have to bring myself back quite a bit to my body. And yeah, I guess I just wanted to say that because I think there can be this, perception that you can that you can go and maybe some people can you can go from being in that completely disassociated a disconnected place with your body to just suddenly being present and fully aware of like every movement that you make or whatever it is and presence is on so many different levels like there's the presence of your mind and how conscious you are of your triggers and patterns and all of those things. And then there's, there's also, you know, being present physically, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a process. Mm -hmm. It's a process. 
Yeah, I think he, what you said there, I really liked. You said, um, you know, am I really um, the hardest time? I find it when I'm in my house and can't be present when I'm, I find it more. I'm more present when I'm outside. But I guess what what I can resonate with that is: Are we really in our houses? Like, are we really in our houses, or are we are we just on devices doing things in the house? That's really, yes. are we yeah. just sitting in the space of our home? and noticing the things around us the decoration feelings of floor how we on the floor are the way the door creaks are we just are we used to so much used to that environment or we or we've run the mac to the phone to the tv to the mm-hmm. that to, to the doing like we're never really do you know what i mean being present i guess in the house um but yeah i think presence is a skill i don't think it's something that um you just get yeah, it's a skill that you really have to keep practicing and working on for sure. Yeah, I can exactly. I get that. So just to bring it back to like food and body, um, how have you like how have you managed to shift that relationship? It's an ongoing. It's another thing, isn't it? This like an ongoing journey. Um, mm. How like how did you manage to shift out of? that mindset of like I need to be bigger to self-acceptance and you know loving your body enough right that it's okay Mm -hmm. that you feel safe like that's a big one isn't it it's there's Mm -hmm. so much for me that has come up around safety that like am I able to feel safe within myself when I'm not the physique that I ideally want to be in. And why would you not be safe when you're not in a di- when you're in a different physique? I don't know, but it brings up. You know, that's what it can bring up. It's like mm. I. It's like um. It's like sensations of discomfort. You know, mm-hmm. sensations and of discomfort. What... what it what it brings up essentially, I think, for myself when these feelings come up but also for clients that I work with is um I'm not going to be loved I'm not worthy enough Mm. I'm not Mm. enough you know Mm. people aren't going to love me as I am Mm -hmm. like those are the deep-rooted fears aren't they that are underneath all of that Mm. yeah I hear you um i can resonate with that for sure and i think uh we put so much i think we're, we've been bombarded from it from such a young age that we need to all look different ways men as well as women you know i think men are just as much nowadays as women but women have had it mm. generationally for years and years and years that to be attractive and to to succeed in life they need to look a certain way so there's that generational trauma line of that for sure yes um, absolutely i get so i guess the question you were the question you asked was how do I, how have I got used to that or how did I disconnect from that um, obsession about that? I guess it was still like the presence that I'm trying to learn. It's, I'm learning to. I don't, li- I don't like this, um, this thing around on social media about I love myself. Yes. Because um, for me, that doesn't work. My yes. brain will tell me, if I stand in front of the mirror, my brain will say, you don't love yourself. Look at this, look at that, look at this, look at that. Unconsciously, to some degree, it will pick faults, right? Mm-hmm. Or it will, it will divert the way that I'm looking in the mirror at, from things that I don't like. So it won't yes. see those things. 
So I just try to tell myself that I'm learning to love myself. I'm learning yeah. to learn love those parts. I'm learning to understand that my body is healthy. And mm. what's important for me is to be strong and to have a, phys- a good physical vessel. And yes. that's what's important. Yeah. And that I don't, and I don't, when that, that inner critic comes up, I don't need, mm. uh, I'm lovable without any of those things. Yes. You know? I again, totally... it's a tool. Yes, like I totally agree with you because there's then that creation of pressure around um, I need to love myself. I need to love all parts of my body, whereas like that approach, which is more body neutrality, where, you know, it's like it's okay not to like certain. Do you know what I mean? It's all right Mm -hmm. not to like certain you know prefer certain parts of your body but also that your body does so much for you you know Mm. and that shift to like imagine you know imagine what it would be like if you didn't have your feet you know Mm -hmm. or whatever it Mm -hmm. is and appreciating that you know shifting it to a place of your body being a physical vessel for your soul and and therefore, like the importance of nourishing, you know, the, mm. the importance mm. of nourishment as opposed mm. to a forced mm-hmm. pressure of like, I have to love my, I have to love my body. I have to love my body, but I don't like when I look mm. at it, I see this. Mm-hmm. Completely, completely. I completely get that. And that's uh, something that I focus on with my clients is we focus on health and making everything optimized and then everything starts to fit together and they they lose weight they feel stronger they feel better anyway but it's come from more of an awareness of i'm doing this for health and i'm mm-hmm. doing this for that but that will still creep in depends on who you've got around you who you follow on social media what books you read what media you listen to what tv programs you watch will depend on how big that inner critic is going to be in your head yeah if you're watching things like love island and things the way it's all about physical appearance right yeah. i love love island by the way um <laughs> if you that's my guilty pleasure terrible terrible it's my, it's my guilty pleasure <laughs> but say you watch those physical that you know it's about the physical really isn't it a lot of yeah and um if we have surrounded that and we're around other people that also feel like that and we have been brought up with parents that are very judgy about how they look and they see themselves always being on a diet or you look better this way or you look better with your hair short or you look better when you've lost weight or you're looking lean yeah you're looking this if those comments constantly then thinks oh well i'm not as good as i am then i yeah. need to do i need to change the way this looks or that looks and i need to morph myself into everyone's idea of what good looking and lovable is and that yes. is a never ever ending story that one yeah. <laughs> we will never fulfill. I mean, I'd done a calendar shoot a few years ago and I was the leanest I ever was. Physically, I was strong. I looked great in a sense. Looked great in that sense. And I still didn't, in my head, think I was big enough, lean enough. I was still embarrassed. I wouldn't take my shirt off a lot of the time when I was on holiday. Mm. It was really, um, you know, now I look back at this photo and I thought, wow. Jesus, like pain there, so much pain there, dude. Um, Mm. I guess I always try to connect with my inner child. Yeah, I always try to connect with connect with how would little Ryan feel if I was telling him he needs to look like this. Mm. 
what other like so is that a practice that you use regularly like just tuning into your inner child like what is it that I need um what yeah what is that part of me that I need Mm. like do you ask your inner child any other questions like what is it that how do you connect with little Ryan Mm -hmm. I bet he's so cute he's a cute he's a cute kid um (laughs) but I have like a a little, uh, I guess you call it an altar in, um, in my house. Yeah, I have lots of inner, like inner child photos. My inner child, my younger self, like loads of photos, and mm. I have lots of like stimulating questions, checking in with him. How is he today? What does he need? Does he want to play? What is the stuff? What you know? And I'll check in when I'm meditating, and I'll really sort of get into what's he feeling. You know, when I've got an emotion that's going on and I'm anxious or overwhelmed or I don't feel like I'm good enough, then I check in with him. What is it that yeah. you need right now? Mm-hmm. What, is that? what is it that's going on? And can mm-hmm. I get down on his level, give him a cuddle? Can I hold his hand through something? Can I play with him? Can I, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like some of the need, trying to meet some of the needs that he's feeling are not met. Yeah. Most likely, obviously stems from childhood, the needs that weren't met as well. So they mm-hmm. sort of coincide together. Mm-hmm reparenting ourselves really isn't it yes absolutely definitely and I mean that's been such a massive thing for me like that realization that you know I can't depend on other people to parent me I I actually Mm -hmm. have to learn to do it myself (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and uh, you know that I can't live the rest of my life like um seeking like that validation and like that Mm. feeling of I'm okay from other people that I have to provide it for myself every day Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and um that's been so powerful like on 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 my journey we've talked quite a lot about I guess disconnection from our bodies and how have you found greater connection? What are there things that you found have been particularly powerful for you on your journey to find that reconnection with your body? Mm, yeah, completely. Um, I have a morning and evening routine, and that really helps. You know, we know our bodies, our bodies and our adrenals like routine. It's mm-hmm. a really big, it likes to know where it's going. It likes to know what it's doing. It's a center of safety, especially if you came from a um, a background or childhood background of non-safety, then having that yes. routine is a really safe part for the body and the physical body. So I have a routine of connection, which is about self-commitment and self-love for me and showing that first thing in the morning. Um and then I've done a lot of somatic experiencing, um, Peter Levine's work and mm-hmm. body-centered psychotherapy are trauma restored in the body. It's in the pain of the body. Yes. It's right in there. It's stuck in the tissues. It's stuck in those joints. It's stuck in those really you know, nooks and crannies that we can't get to. And then all of a sudden we have like a little in those areas, a subconscious pattern come up and uh, the amygdala's firing and we're all, we're all going for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think having some type of connection with yourself first thing in the morning and evening is really important part to my day and my journey. And does it like through some of that stuff if you want? Do you incorporate then like meditation, some movement, some breath? Um, what does it tend to kind of look like? Mm, sure. I'll just talk you through what I do really. First thing I do, I wake up, 
and I just sit in my bed, feel my body on the bed, feel the weight of my body on the bed, feel my heart beating, feel my breath, the noises around me, just try and be a bit more mindful before I even step out of bed. Yeah. Before I even move anything, just check in with my body, check in with my heartbeat. Just that. Mm-hmm. It's only got to be a minute, 30 seconds before we rush out or pull a phone over or get on with the day. Or, yes. You know, we're still, in, we're still in that alpha brainwave state. So our brains are sticking up. just want to sit still and be, you know, connect with our bodies. Then I get up and have a big liter, a big mason jar like this um, of, of water first thing in the morning before I even have it by the sides of the bed. And I'll literally have that full liter before I even I mean, like, get out of bed. Okay, yeah. So really hydrate, get the lymph moving. Then I go straight into a meditation practice. Not always, though. This is like uh, when I have the time, I, this is mm-hmm. how my routine would look. Meditation practice, just sitting in stillness. Not having to put the pressure off meditation. Whatever your meditation looks like for you. But for me, mine is just sitting still, mm-hmm. noticing, noticing the thoughts, how the brains are, how my body's feeling, checking in with that. Then I do a lymph massage. So I'm a really big fan of uh, doing a lymph massage every morning. So in Ayurveda as well, they do a, a morning massage. I guess mine is a little bit different in the sense that I just focus on the, the big six uh, lymphatic points. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you get the lymph sort of moving and uh, movement is life really so making sure that that's all opened up there and i use a nice little um a concoction of massage oil like i've made myself of like castor oil i put some cbd balm in there I, oh nice I, I put like some tea tree some oregano oil um some coat some jehovah oil and i just mix it all together some coconut oil and I just have that, and that's like my little bit of self-love because I use my lymph points with that. Like, yes, that's beautiful. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm just connecting my body, feeling my body. I'm touching the points in my body. Do a bit of rebounding after that just to get the body, get that lymph moving again. I might do some movement in regards to maybe the Tibetan five rights or some yoga, some stretching, um, just to get that sort of moving. And then I will plan three things that are my goals for the day, three things that I'm going to achieve. That might mm-hmm. be connecting with nature. That might be to be really present with someone and fix them and just listen. Yes. Oh, I love you know? your routine. That's that's sometimes my routine and sometimes it can be very different. Sometimes I can get out of bed, do one of them, and yes. sometimes I don't. But I try not to get the guilt whip out. Yeah. Um, I think, though, like, yeah. when you get into a routine or you maybe it's it's you know this you know if we kind of go back to the reparenting bit that like having those kind of routines whether you achieve it perfectly or not right this whatever perfect is but that this the the reparenting bit is about the discipline isn't it that you may not have been shown how to provide boundaries for yourself and the, mm. the ritual of doing something regularly, even if it's not every day, but, but that you have like rituals where you connect with yourself and it's it's an indicator to yourself that you are learning to trust yourself, mm. isn't it? That's what you're teaching that. yourself, that I, tr- I, 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 that. I trust myself to care for myself and do the things mm. that I know will, you know, really benefit me. Yeah, that's amazing. I really, really like that. Um, I think what I also would take from that as well is that if you wasn't shown in your childhood um, how to, you know, you wasn't given much direction, 
mm. or you wasn't shown how to do things you you need that routine you need to start reparenting yourself to give you routine as babies we have routine we wake up we have we have, we feed we do the things that we have we have this routine but then as we get older we stop that and if our parents are dealing with their own stuff in their own lives then of course our needs and our routine is very different but then also you can get a bit obsessive that if i haven't done my routine i'm not going to yeah. have a good day so yeah. you need to find that balance of okay cool i haven't done that today but do you know what in the evening i might set some time aside and do a little bit more of my like calming down and bringing into that yin energy of my evening mm -hmm. um, down, you know. can you just we're, we're going to finish up in a minute but to finish off actually could you tell uh, tell um the listeners a little bit about you know why these kind of routines are important for your nervous system like what is mm. it that it is what's happening like what's happening there and how yeah why is it that like these kind of acts are important in i guess resetting ourselves or um getting out of that nervous system response that we've maybe had for years and years that are, is actually detrimental to us you know where we might be in that fight or flight mm -hmm. uh, response or whatever it is like what what is it that happens when you add these kind of routines of meditation or just you know even like you said like noticing your heartbeat just connecting with that hydrating yourself um mm -hmm. moving you know sacred movement like what it yeah what is the impact of it well i think the big thing to, to first be understand or to have some awareness about is knowing your constitution where you sort of sit where your your body sort of sits on the level obviously it's in a, a sense of if you're more fight or flight orientated knowing that you're um if you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning and you're really struggling with energy and knowing that your cortisol levels are gone through the roof in regards to they're very low meaning that you struggle with getting up out of bed mm -hmm. it means you have more energy in the evening we need to know our constitution first being how we're going to go forward then once we start to know where we're at know how we're going to start our day then the body starts to find that safety so because the physical body knows what it's doing because the body is habitual it runs in cycles it does things all the time on a habitual sense right so mm -hmm. once we start to do that the body then like driving like riding a bike like everything else it starts to feel safe in knowing what it's doing um so the nervous system the hpa axis calms down so the hpa axis is obviously one of the big parts of uh, how we regulate our nervous system if that's too if that's in overdrive uh, because it doesn't really know what we're doing with the day we're getting up we're looking at our phone we're scrolling and then we're looking at the news and then we're sort of getting out into the day and then we're eating like a bowl of cereal or not eating at all and we sort of just go into the day our body's sort of just being dragged along um mm -hmm. to, to, to to into our day so i guess for me having that routine it really slows the process down of me getting into my day, giving my body some safety and giving my body and my nervous system some um, some care to yes. going forward for the rest of the day. But if you are more freeze response type and you disassociate, you struggle with energy levels, 
then we need to start making lists of what's going to give you energy, what brings you energy, and what, okay. what, what takes your energy away. So I guess having an understanding of your constitution before you fix into a routine is important. Yeah. Because sometimes if you're a freeze responder, you will struggle with what about if you're yeah what, what about if you're kind of that fawn people pleasing um that type of a responder mm. what made you say that <laughs> oh yeah because i've got <laughs> i've in the past not so not not really now actually i feel like i've yeah. really kind of looked at a lot of that, those wounds you know mm. i don't feel that i that my sense of validation within myself is so powerful now, you know, mm, it does pop beautiful. up though. But cool. I, I do feel like, you know, even when I post stuff on Instagram, like I'm not really um, bothered by the likes or, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's. I'm just not as affected. I'm not really affected so much by those ex, by mm. the external thing. I don't think. Mm. But yeah, I just wonder, like, how you. Yeah, how do you? Is that more like? Is there a way of navigating that with your body? Mm, beautiful, great question. Um, it's not something that I generally would know the answer straight off, but. Um, Looking, I'm, I'm up for exploring that for sure. So you still have likes and stuff over in the UK, is that right? On Instagram? Yes, on Instagram. We don't yeah. have those in Australia anymore. Oh, really? They took likes away. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it's really, really Revelation. great. So you, we don't see likes. Um, I'm hoping that sometime they take followers away. I think yes. that would be, uh, be really uh, beneficial for people. Because we put people in hierarchies based on followings. Mm. And some of the best practitioners I've ever known have like 500 followers. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but we, we listen to the ones that are got 300,000 more than we do the other ones. Mm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a big part of it. So I didn't know if you still have likes in the UK uh, or not. Yes. Yeah. Um, but in regards to a fawn response, so fawn and freeze are very, uh, not only very closely linked, aren't they? So mm. and be, or they can be flight and uh, fawn as well. How would your nervous system and be settled in a fawn response through routine i guess from my understanding of it would be to understand that you're doing things for yourself and these are for you and they're not for any any anyone else so setting those boundaries up with yourself so you're not exercising in the morning to be looked at by other people and you yes. are not doing things because you feel that you should or you're doing other people because some someone else has told you you need to do them so it's knowing what you need to do for yourself because fauners don't do anything for themselves they do everything for other people yeah so fauners will be some of the best people to do routines because they will just follow other people's routines because they think they should do it yeah. <laughs> i guess i guess really what they need to do is check in with what do they need so yes. what do you so rafika i would say what do you need what do you need when you wake up in the morning what not what you think you should do not what you think someone else has told you to do. What do you mm. in the morning? And knowing that, 
and checking in with yourself and trusting that you that's what you need um, i guess that's how i would look at it from a yes born response fight types um are going to be very different as well but, mm. yeah, so tuning just... in like tuning into your personal into you know your intuition tuning into your soul um i also think like something that's been powerful for me in almost i guess communicating like doing mindset work that communicates to your body that mm. you are safe within yourself so i might uh write things down like um you know beliefs that i choose to adopt about myself and if something comes up mm. that i'm like oh i don't know about that then i can look at it you know i can look at it mm. and uh, explore like okay why can't that be a reality you know yeah beautiful but, I really like that yeah but the the practice of it and I don't do it is it's when I want to do it now but at one point I was doing it very regularly to get into that routine you know but that was very self-assuring and it was it, I felt that it was communicating to my body you know I am safe I don't need to be seeking all this stuff externally. I'm safe. So beautiful, Ryan. That was, um, we've, I feel like we've been on a trip, on a really good trip. <laughs> yeah, we could do that sometime as well. I'm up for doing some uh, psychedelic uh, <laughs> podcast. I bet that would be great. I'm sure it would be. We've covered like quite a lot, haven't we? We've covered your journey with food and body, how we connect with ourselves, um, that idea of, you know, disassociation and how we kind of return to presence. And we've looked at those different nervous system responses and how we might um, introduce routines that support that return to safety within our bodies so yeah we've covered mm -hmm. so much thank you so much for being here for um all your wisdom and knowledge and for being you you know for just being yourself like that's what I love about your uh when when I see you show up on social media that that it feels to me that you know you're you're, you're just being yourself and uh, yeah without any uh, bravado you know and I love that so thank you so much for your work for your um the work that you do in this world it's beautiful thank you very much that's a nice I, I wish you could be in my head all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I appreciate you thank you very much I love your energy and I've loved chatting with you and connecting with you definitely part of the soul tribe for sure so a hug um my side to yours definitely yeah. and um yeah speaker <laughs> when i come to the uk next we'll definitely hook up and stuff but yeah, yeah appreciate your time. everyone else that's listening or whatever um, i appreciate you all as well so oh you. before we finish um where can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you if they want to connect with you yeah um my socials probably be the easiest i don't have facebook anymore i just have instagram Mm -hmm. um so just ryan rose evans and yeah you can connect with me on there okay let's see some of the stuff that i talk about brilliant thank you so much ryan thank you so much for taking the time to listen today 
If you found this of value, please do take the time to review it and share your share this episode on your social media so that we can reach those who also want to heal their relationships with food and body. 